My mom told me not to talk to strangers on the internet, but I'm glad I didn't listen. We are the Certified Nunas, your sisters in the love of entertainment. Hi, I'm Jesse, And I'm Natalia. And it's, that's it. That's just us again. It's okay. <laughs> We've been doing this a lot. We, we like to hoodwink you a little. So this is a very, we made this a year ago, this episode that you're listening to right now. Um, we had briefly flirted with the idea of doing a true crime podcast because Jesse and I are obsessed with true crime, but we did a few episodes and it just, it wasn't working out. So we decided to scrap it. However, our first episode that we ever did, we did it about the TV show Gab Dong. With Lee June. June. (laughs) My sweet baby Lee June, which is based on a real crime. So the format of this podcast was that we would watch a movie or a show about a real crime and then discuss the real crime and the show and how they sort of adapted reality of true crime. So this special episode that we are now posting here is very different than the normal Certified Nunes Fair. So it does talk about actual crime and actual victims and- So there's um, trigger warnings and content warnings There are trigger warnings for, you know, violence, sexual assault, murder, that sort of thing. So just wanted everyone to know that that's what this was and to not be confused when there's like a different intro and everything, (laughs) because this is literally, this was just a little experiment we did. And then we decided not to after a couple episodes. So, but we wanted to share it because we realized, Hey, this is relevant to it is. It's a K drama to our interest so, to the K drama. Um, and you know, maybe this is like June, showing June, up June. like after we just did a deep dive of E June potentially. Maybe. <laughs> so if you really like, you need to know more about Lee June. Which <laughs> kudos, kudos. I I approve. Natalia approves. Um, this is the episode for you. So anyway, without further ado. Please enjoy this episode about Gab Dong. And since this has a very different intro, you cannot find any of those socials or websites anymore. So it's always just certified Nunas. It's the same as it always is. Uh, We hope you have a good time. Uh, Stay safe and enjoy this very special episode about Gab Dong. Bye. on a different podcast and yet but we but see that has like a basic intro that we've already come up with and so now that we're starting this new one and we have to sort of start from scratch and our old intro just doesn't work anymore because you know it's totally different subject matter this is what's weird about this whole thing is that this seems like the first day of recording but it's it's not and it's in this weird gray area because it's new as in this is kind of a new like format and topic Mm -hmm. and stuff to be discussing and generally it's probably going to get a completely different crowd than we have on our other podcast but I think what's like throwing us off is that it's still you and I doing this and on top of it what we decided to pick for this first episode um relates to the relates. Old so we're in this really weird like middle ground where we don't know what to do and it's very awkward so i guess let's just start with welcome to the good time with crime podcast a brand new podcast that we're coming up with to talk about true crimes and the shows and movies based upon them so basically we, the two of us, we have another podcast. If you already listen to the Certified Nunas, you know that we are avid uh, Korean drama and Japanese drama and Thai drama and Taiwanese drama and Chinese drama watchers. And if you're here from the Certified Nunas, welcome. welcome. Hi. Hello, welcome. Good to see you. <laughs> Thank you for coming to listen to us. But for this one, we wanted to delve more into the other thing that both Jesse and I, oh, by the way, my name's Natalia. I'm Jesse. 
Yes. Sorry. We didn't introduce ourselves. We're going to do better next episode. I yeah, we'll try. <laughs> we'll do it, we're doing our best here. So we want to bring our other passion to light in this new project that we have with the Good Time with Crime. And that is horrible true life crimes. Not committing them. We're good people. But, well, mostly. Uh, we're, yeah. you know, it depends on the day. But uh, we want to, you know, we like watching shows about horrible things that people have done uh, documentaries movies fictionalized versions we love it so we were like hey we should do that because it's fun and you know we like to have fun <laughs> yeah it will also give us like a different outlet because we have spent a lot of our time mm-hmm. on our other podcast and even though this podcast essentially will still have kind of the same kind of like time commitment because it, again yeah. it's watching stuff but I feel like with the other podcasts it's just kind of like we are always constantly talking about Asian dramas and music mm-hmm. and then watching them specifically for it and it just became not that it's like a bad place but just became yeah. sort of a something more that you place. we just needed like an outlet to mm-hmm. not talk about that and kind of yeah. dive into especially with like specifically our end yeah. our favorite things and the things that we prefer to watch and it was actually part like some of the I would think the reason why we clicked so mm-hmm. well in the very beginning because we started to realize that like hey, our like viewing thing. habits like lined up mm-hmm. in ways that weren't really necessarily close to the other two <laughs> yes and that is murder Murder. Big fans. Not like big fans of actual murder. No. But like big fans of murder and TV and learning about murder. Murder yeah, is wrong, we have an, folks. We have an interest in it. it. Yes, an interest in crime. But I feel like, I mean, especially now, a lot of people have come to the realization mm. that you're not very alone in that. Like, I feel like yeah. earlier it was like kind of taboo. I guess it still is essentially taboo because it is a kind of a really um, a little mm-hmm. gray line where you have to kind of balance and not you want to be respectful and all that but it, I think now it's it's more acceptable to be like hey I interested I, I watch it, yeah. the ID channel all day yeah and I'm fascinated by the reasons why this person did what they did mm-hmm. and sometimes just fascinated by the concept that sometimes there is no reason for what they did yeah yeah and that's even huge. that's even more fascinating as a little background between the two of us as we stated we were on another podcast for over two years now uh, we met on Twitter and are now real in-life person friends. We've been on vacation together, so don't let anyone ever tell you your and online friends aren't real friends. We didn't murder each other, so. No, it was great. We had such a good we time. Here. We went camping, which is like a rife situation for potential Yeah, we were really murder. diving into like, really unknown and terrible mm, consequences, and we yeah. came out okay. We came out fine, and we're still friends, and it all... <laughs> works out great and then you know we just we love talking about murder so we're like dude let's do it Uh, it's been sort of a long-running joke on our other podcast that uh we're really into murder and uh this podcast that even the name of this podcast was a joke on an episode of our previous podcast so because we like to have a good time watching crime shows and so good time uh with crime should we like actually like kind of like set up not necessarily our like structure but mm-hmm. a little bit kind of like the, like the format the, the of what format we're be because doing. I feel it like might be a little kind of lost in translation because our aim is to talk about true crime mm-hmm. and to talk about fictional works that were based on the yes. true crime but we also kind of want to kind of take our background in like just reviewing stuff and using that in terms of kind of a review of the actual work itself yeah and of to separate it as like a review of the the fictional work and then talk about the the crime and then combine it and my cat is really closing herself in here yeah, no, I was, I was, I was watching it happen and trying not to laugh. Is that all I can I see had on it my in the corner of my eye? Cat, I just saw it's it. It's a cat's paws reaching up and slamming the she door. She just keeps shut. on shutting it on herself. 
Anyway, what is a podcast without it being chaotic and cats being in the way? So that's essentially what we want to do. We want Mm -hmm. to talk about the show. We want to talk about the crime that it was based on and then kind of compare the two and maybe Mm -hmm. talk about the like differences or the similarities based on what we know of the real facts and what we know of what is presented in the work. Mm -hmm. And we got a spicy one for today. We do. Oh boy. This one's a wild ride in both the TV show and the true crime. The true crime is like a 30, 40 year wave of emotions going on. So today we are going to talk about a show and crime that I feel like many in the West have not heard about because, you know, America-centric, you know, news and everything that this might not be a crime. Language barriers. Yeah, and language barriers and things. And that is... The Hwasong Serial Murders, which took place in South Korea in the late 80s and early 90s. It's been popularized in South Korean fiction many times, and we have chosen one such popularization, which is, I would call a inspired by more than a direct uh, retelling of a true crime but that does share quite a few similarities with the crime. And that is the television show Gapdong or Gabdong, depending on where you find it. It does have two names. So Gapdong was a 2014 drama. Uh, It aired on the TV network TVN. And I know that a lot of people who are listening to this, maybe in the beginning are going to be Asian (laughs) entertainment people. To give it kind of a perspective on things, TVN would be equivalent in a broadcasting network to like, I don't know, any sort of your like regular cable, not airing, like non-like lower channels. Sort of like the CW. And I'm just trying to like put this in perspective because it's not one of their main broadcasting stations. So the depictions and stuff are a little bit more graphic than you would see in some of the other series so it did like lend to the whole series being uh, like an actual like dark crime Mm -hmm. drama there are 20 episodes that are hour long if you don't know asian entertainment i'm going to be saying that a lot like asian entertainment really confines themselves mostly into one season format so the entire series is in one season it has mostly a rotating cast with some main players in it but there's a lot of like main players in it and essentially the story is that there are unsolved murders that happened in the past and uh you are following the people that were involved and the officers in present day who are kind of revigorated into the case when something happens at like a psychiatric ward in a a hospital like that's also a prison that like brings back Gabdong the the murderer and the main leads all kind of have a specific tie to them fate is a very very big thing in Korean dramas yes so everyone is. is tied to everything and the main male lead his father was the one who was initially charged for the murders and he actually was there and present during one of the murders uh he just kind of didn't realize it at that point it was because he was younger he was like 12 there's a psychiatrist in the show who is affected because you see she is one of the only survivors from Gapdong. she and her best friend were taken when they were younger and they were forced to choose who was going to be murdered and she was there and present for the murder the whole like story is just like involving them and then the the police officers who were kind of tied up in it and how their incompetence and their lack of evidence and their lack of resources and just purely the lack of like time and technology kind of made this case go cold for so long it is kind of a wild ride the drama is very hard to explain because it is a crime drama but for the most part it's actually more of a mokjong than anything else and a mokjong is if i could put it like essentially to compare to it's like kind of soap opera ish where a lot of Mm -hmm. like over dramatic 
emotions heightened a lot of things if they can over dramatize things they will do, do to forgo anything like character development or plot or reality that sort of mm -hmm. thing and uh, the driving force for everything in the show is sweeping emotions as mm -hmm. opposed to facts like, characters and storyline and plot mm -hmm. so that's how this story lends yeah. itself so it does have like similarities to the story and it's definitely if you are korean or know of the case there would be mm -hmm. no way you could watch gap dong and not go this was specifically yeah. that um however it does take you on an emotional journey yes uh, a bit of a ride as it were yes it does have one of my favorite korean actors in it lee june <laughs> i uh on my other podcast, I'm well known for my love of Lee June. Lee June's character, he plays a just a, a very damaged human being in general. <laughs> He's a psychopath and a sociopath and a myriad of other things. And he is a young guy who's completely obsessed and fascinated by Gap Dong and wants to mm -hmm. be him. And so that's kind of where the, the story kind of really takes off is that he kind of is allowed to be able to leave his imprisonment and he is able to commit some murders. And so mm -hmm. there's a lot of problems with that because he starts to do stuff that are almost exactly like Gap Dong. And so they're, everybody's kind of trying to wonder if Gap Dong's still out there, if he's still alive, then how old is he? And it like, it adds to some level on it, but very clearly on... <laughs> the drama kind of loses its interest to make him like mysterious or anything. Yeah. Like everybody Very just quick. knows he's a murderer pretty much like after it, like it, one episode. Yeah, and they, like, fi they figure it out pretty quick. Like, uh, and it, there's no, it just, it's one of those like, anyone. It's, yeah, it's one of those like, yeah, we know it's him. We can't prove it's him. We know it's him. Like, we're not going to really do anything that'll stop him from, doing his thing because we're all kind of incompetent but okay but you know <laughs> when we get uh more into the talking about the real crime you'll see that is bizarrely accurate oh yeah <laughs> what actually happened so think, like watching this when i personally just watched it because i'd never watched mm -hmm. it before natalia actually has watched it before yeah um and watching it while simultaneously like reading up on these murders was a very interesting because the drama really doesn't present itself as caring that much about these sorts yeah. of details. It just, it had to have been like a like set plot points along the way. And yeah. Like, Fill in the rest. It's like, it's like the writer was like, okay, we got to remember to do this and to do this and to do this. But it's, I find it actually also kind of interesting in the sense that knowing now how the story ends, they, at the time the show came out, they didn't actually. Yeah, it was still an unresolved mystery. And so I was actually surprised at uh, how it how it turned out. When I watched it at first, I knew nothing about the crime. And so when I watched it, I was just like, okay, this is fine. It wasn't the best crime drama, but it certainly wasn't the worst crime drama I've ever seen. It was pretty middle of the road. But then after like reading up about the actual crime it becomes a lot more interesting to me despite the fact that it's not you know incredible mm. television by any stretch of the imagination it became a lot more interesting like just in terms of being like oh i see how they're alluding to these actual facts curious some of which like at the time that this came out wouldn't have actually been known as actual facts in the real crime. So it's yeah. like, really, like, who wrote this? How did they know? And I'm, so I'm kind of wondering if, like, maybe there was a source that, like, the writer was coming off of that, like, we would have never gotten because we would never gotten a translation mm. of it or, like, not official. So, like, it wasn't or put in major newspapers that had some of these elements that the writer was like oh I'll just use that because especially mm -hmm. if they're not real it might be good story I found that the the show was okay it was yeah definitely, it, was, it was okay it was not my favorite and I'm not gonna mm -hmm. lie to you yeah 20 hours of the series was very hard for me yeah um I I would say 
the line of it's so weird because it's got a really messy plot and it does not know where it wants to be besides Mm -hmm. the like little things about the murders it really doesn't know what it wants to be because it like keeps on shifting its focus because there's like a section of the show when it's like decided it wants to like focus on the psyche of murders and that sort of thing and then Mm -hmm. before that it was completely not even a a, like relevant topic for them and yeah then it gets out of it and then it comes back in they like to heighten like other things they are not really good at the thriller aspect because they keep on going to a certain point and just run into a wall there are times when you're like oh, is this person supposed to be like the killer maybe? Then they just decide they don't want to write anymore of like the elusiveness of it. So they're like, no, it's not. And they just like walk yeah, away. No, um, okay. So it's really hard with this drama because it definitely has the like some of the elements and it's definitely dark, like mm-hmm. a crime drama, but it's like almost oh. not a crime drama yeah it's like a little too over dramatic to be like a really excellent crime drama like like over dramatic things like if you know if, if you like you know really ridiculous drama then you'll probably really enjoy oh this. yeah I, I do think it has like an audience for it it just it was kind of just like interesting for me to come into it and then like you were kind of given the hints of it being a crime drama mm-hmm. and then it'd just be like, we actually don't want to be this crime drama, but that's like our driving like underlying plot. So we have to keep on <laughs> yeah, coming back the, to it. The whole drama is based upon a crime. So we have to keep going with the crime. And I think also like the the problem that like made this like a hard watch was uh, it had a really hard time if someone was an established main lead and they had a lot of mm-hmm. screen time then when they needed to add someone else who would be starting on like another storyline because you mm-hmm. you've solved events to get to there they had no clue how to write for that many lead characters and so yeah. then the person that you were seeing for 60% of the episodes before just completely went away and you're like did he die when i wasn't seeing it <laughs> wait and it, where'd that where'd and that especially watching it knowing who these people are and like he's like a top actor so he can't yeah. be gone yeah that, that was a little hard for me to keep up with this entire show like it is what it is you know at the same time like it it tried to do a thing and it it did a thing mm-hmm. and was very clearly inspired by the real crime no. uh in in many elements that that when you're watching the drama, if you don't know about the crime, you're like, oh, this is so ridiculous. There's no way that this would ever happen. And then when you read about the crime, you're like, oh shit, it did actually happen. That's just embarrassing for these people. Like, is, like a lot of it, I was just like mostly like shocked that they went to that level because they weren't giving it to other aspects of the drama. So it was yeah. kind of like very shocked that they were actually giving it that level of like realism in terms of the actual true but I guess yeah. maybe because it was easy because it was already written <laughs> it was already yeah. there they didn't have to that's true that's true so do you think we should start talking about the actual murders now and then we can yeah. kind of talk about the similarities and yeah, differences yeah. like specifically um, I know you're out here you listening you're like great that sounds like a tv show but when are we getting to the real crime and that is happening right now on September 15th in 1986, a 71-year-old woman disappeared after visiting her daughter. On the 19th of September, her body was found strangled and left dead in a field outside the town of Hwasong, an area of South Korea. In October, a 25-year-old woman disappeared after getting off a bus after a blind date. Her body was found three days later abandoned in a canal, similarly bound, this time raped, and also, of course, murdered. In December, another 25-year-old woman went missing from in front of her house. This time, her body was not discovered until April of the next year, left in an identical fashion on a hill in the countryside. It was at this point after three murders that it was clear to the police that there was a serial killer looking for female victims, and thus began a multi-year murder spree of women that lasted until sort of 1991, we'll get back to this, leaving 10 women dead and police very stumped by everything happening. 
Each woman was strangled and bound with her own clothing, their ages ranging from 14 to 71. Victims were found gagged, bound, and usually raped before being killed. At the time, the police's evidence pointed to a man in his 20s, around five foot five, with type B blood. This being really terrible information to go off of. The police had over 20,000 suspects because that is not enough of information to find a definitive person to blame this crime on. And for years, they floundered with trying to find who was responsible. Eventually, a man was arrested for the murder of the 14-year-old victim and jailed for 20 years. In July of 1989, a 22-year-old man named, named Yoon Sang-yo was arrested for the murder of Park Sang-hee, a 14-year-old who was raped and murdered in her own bedroom. He was arrested due to a 40% match with pubic hair found at the scene and confessed to the crime, which the police deemed to be a copycat of the other murders due to the fact that no evidence tied him to any of the previous crimes. Yoon then protested his conviction, stating he'd been tortured by the cop fall in custody and forced to give a false statement. This sort of accusation towards the police would continue with other suspects in the crime, with at least four other suspects committing suicide after being abused in police custody. Despite these protestations, he was convicted and sentenced to life in prison. With no concrete suspects in the rest of the cases, the murder spree seemingly stopped after 1991, and a 15-year statute of limitations expired, eventually making the case go cold and determined that it would probably remain unsolved. But we have to go back to 1989, because in 1989, a man in the area is arrested after breaking into a house with weapons and sentenced to but a year and a half of imprisonment. He protested an appeal saying that a young man beat him and he was only entering the house with a bunch of weapons to hide from his supposed assaulter. Following his appeal, his sentence was reduced to two years probation. In 1993, this same man is arrested again, this time for the rape and murder of his 18-year-old sister-in-law following his wife leaving him. He lured her to his house, raped, then murdered her, and then pretended he was unaware where she was after her family reported her missing, even helping search for her. After being apprehended, he confessed to the crime, the confession later being turned over due to suspicions of police coercion. And famously, he incriminated himself by asking, how many years do you serve for rape and murder after being taken in as a suspect in her murder? Despite the confession being turned over, he's convicted with a death sentence for her murder, which is later reduced to life in jail. For 25 years, the two crimes seem wholly unrelated. And then until 2019, the DNA and the Hwasong murders were run again for advanced analysis, linking them to the man who was currently in jail for the murder of his teenage sister-in-law. Lee Chun-jae confessed to the murder of 15 people, including his sister-in-law, and all of the crimes related to the Hwasong serial murders, including the murder, deemed the copycat crime for which Yoon Sang-yo had already served 20 years in jail for. In addition to the 15 murders, he confessed to 30 rapes and attempted rapes, and his crime spanning from 86 to 94. It was only in July of 2020 that the police confirmed his confession, Lee himself confessed on the stand at the retrial of Yoon Sang-yo that he'd been the murderer, even apologizing to the man who'd served 20 years for his crime. Despite this confession, it was only in 2015 that a statute of limitations for first-degree murder was lifted in Korea, and thus it was not retroactive. So there's no way for him to actually be tried for any of the crimes, save the one in which, which he was already convicted, his sister-in-law's murder. He stated that he wasn't sure why he committed the acts, but felt compelled to rape and murder women. In addition, an investigation was launched into the police at the time as a former police officer admitted that Yoon had been starved, beaten, and kept awake for three days while under police custody, which led to his confession for the supposed copycat crime. He stated that the police threatened to kill him if he didn't confess to the crime, for which there is very little evidence of him being the perpetrator. In fact, most of the evidence in the case seemed to contradict his ability to even be the killer at the time, most notably the fact that the killer had scaled a quite tall wall 
at the victim's house to get into her bedroom, and Yoon had suffered from polio as a child and was physically unable to climb the wall. Even Lin Chun Jae during Yoon's retrial said the police investigation had been incredibly inept. They having they had brought him in for questioning for a rape case that he certainly did commit, but let him go after deciding just not to prosecute the case. Lee Chun Jae even said that he was amazed and also confused that the police had never caught him as they'd questioned him several times, but mostly about other people. Due to all this, as well as the suicide of other suspects questioned in the crimes, this led to the police apologizing for their conduct during the investigation, leading to other questions about police violence and inappropriate behavior. The fact that he had been convicted of a murder and his DNA was in the police system since 93, but it took until 2019 for them to match it to any of the other crimes, thus missing any the statute of limitations for any sort of conviction was also kind of a bad look for them. The police have stated an intention for police reform and investigation into police contact, uh, but time will tell if this will actually be implemented in the long run or if the status quo will remain. Meanwhile, the real killer remains behind bars, albeit not for the crimes he is most famous for. While Lin Chujie is seen as a model prisoner and will not be tried for these crimes, they'll probably be used to justify denying him any parole in the future, which he has stated is his intention as he believes he is safer in jail than out in the public who are incensed that he managed to get away with serial killing for so long. My God. Yeah, it's a roller coaster. I just, you read interviews with this guy and he's like, I'm not even that good at being a criminal. Like, I don't know why they couldn't catch me. Like, you know, like, here's the thing. It's really, he kind of like, if you look at the whole grand picture of everything, we can claim incompetence and there was police incompetence in this, but it's also kind of a product of the time like the year that he started Mm -hmm. killing and also the location because at the time he was killing there was no dna that like like there was nothing to like work on the like advancements in dna were not a thing specifically in korea too Mm -hmm. because korea even got later than most of the world like korea had to send their samples to japan to get tested before they had the technology also he was killing in remote areas mm-hmm. so there wasn't any sort like any sort of like amount of police that could really be on yeah. guard and watching south korea is known for having one of the lowest serial killer and death mm-hmm. rates and so when you have those three things kind of put together yes we don't know how he got away with it but also, it's also kind of know. You can kind of see that he was just at the right place at the yeah. right time. He was the luckiest serial killer that ever lived, essentially. Yeah. And it's like, and if he had never killed someone related to him, he would probably have never gotten caught. Yeah. Which is even, you know, which is even more concerning due to the fact that as the crimes ramped up, they had over 2 million police man hours working on finding this guy and he managed to evade them until two years ago after a couple like i think it was like after the second murder is when they started to bring in other people so like mm-hmm. it did like relatively in terms of everything they did kind of set the motion to get like outside help i think it's like roughly like an hour away from seoul their yeah. nearest biggest city and to get like the kind of like investigation really rolling but like really honestly he probably well you know probably he would have done a lot more if he hadn't gotten caught for the yeah. crime that he did and it's just so fascinating like him mm-hmm. as a human being is a fascinating psychological case study because he also kind of seems like one of those people who could just like stop killing and stop doing all that stuff and kind of just live the rest of his life yeah and those type of people are the most fascinating the psyche of someone who could do that amount of damage with no consequences and you read all these like articles about him and people are like oh he's very well mannered like he's just a regular dude like even even like in the prison that he is they're like oh he's like the nicest guy like he doesn't do anything bad like he's like a model prisoner Mm -hmm. and all this and you're like dude 
murdered 14 year olds in their bed after raping them yeah, it like, doesn't matter if he was like really nice yeah and there's you know and i it's so funny because i always like watching these sort of fictionalized like serial killer things where they try to come up with a reason why they're serial killers like oh you know he wanted to kill prostitutes because their mother was a there's nothing like that here he just woke up one morning and chose violence that's where i find it interesting and this is kind of like part of the reason i like true crime a lot i like to see how things um affect and like there's just like the drasticness of people who like maybe murder in the heat of passion as opposed to someone who like him obviously there's something wrong and there's like an imbalance in his actual system that he is Mm -hmm. wired this way and it's kind of fascinating to like think about how like different he can be from other serial killers and the the differences that his brain did to sabotage him essentially not giving him like he's still a murderer he still did what he did the whole case is fascinating and but like at the same time it's just so like all these elements are just like so predictable at the same time where it's like oh a bunch of women get murdered and police bungle Mm -hmm. at every stage and abuse their power for suspects who had nothing to do with it leading to false confessions and suicides like it's one of those things like when you start to really kind of look into the stuff it's everywhere it's the no one no country no mm-hmm. no no one's safe from this type of thing we see it here all the time too in north america but like it is hard when you're kind of reading up on those things and like just seeing kind of the incompetence of like police that could have led to people not suffering like you know some mm-hmm. of the rape victim who is suffering in silence because she lived through the entire thing you know like and the families and how this really could have been solved in a different way but also kind of in the back of your head knowing maybe it couldn't that just yeah it sucks because it was the wrong time to ever be able to what what i find so frustrating is that they had the guy so early on for an unrelated charge and they chose not to prosecute it mm-hmm. and you're just like like I know hindsight's 2020 yeah but, but like when you read this it's it feels like the guy wasn't even hiding he was shocked no. that they didn't book him like I know but like you kind of also wonder like if he's like projecting like maybe yeah. he like no one looked into him because he actually didn't say anything really like and he thought he likes spoke words or like he thought he came across on his face as one way when like really he doesn't show those emotions so like he didn't come out you know so there's no you just don't know he can't can't be the smartest like the brightest bulb in the pack when he gets booked for his sister-in-law's murder goes oh how long do you serve in jail for rape and murder Mm -hmm. Either he was just tired of not getting caught or it's just dumb. I see. I don't know about that because we got to still have to like lend ourselves into the mindset of this is a place that that's not common. The common people in North America would know that those types Mm -hmm. of things. But since it's so drastically limited in Korea, it would not be common knowledge at all. I did read a lot of that town or that area mm-hmm. basically their education level wasn't past elementary school yeah. so those two factors I think really do have to like be known and and talked about in regards mm-hmm. to him not knowing those types of things because he actually probably would never have known those things and he wouldn't have yeah. like access to television and to be able That's to read true. newspapers and that sort of thing it's hard because you're like so empathetic for like all the victims and all mm-hmm. like the people that were wronged in this case but then you can also go but like I can see where it's like fucked yeah. up and yeah there have been yeah. things that have been changing after this case and just through you know advancements in technology mm-hmm. and that sort of thing when we get into like the similarities between the crimes and the show it's actually kind of fascinating yeah yeah went with a big part of the drama which came out sort of even before it was proven in court was how much that police incompetence and police sort of uh brutality led into 
false convictions mm-hmm. and and you know damaging the community like so the main character's father was mentally delayed uh, mm-hmm. like i don't know what the proper term would be but he was um you know probably had about the the mental capacities of an elementary school student i would say um mm-hmm. and so he gets accused of the crime despite the fact that none of the nothing really lines up to say that he is the perpetrator of this crime but this one cop is so convinced that he is that he is willing to beat a confession out of him even though the man didn't do it and also doesn't have the mental capabilities to even know what he's confessing to if he does confess and so he does end up killing himself and dying and so there's this you know long-held grudge from his son that this police officer ruined his life, but the police officer is still convinced that his dad was the one who did it for, you know, even 20 years after, Mm -hmm. despite there being no evidence of that, which, you know. Well, he also decides, you know, in the first two episodes that the son is also a perpetrator. Yes. That clear, that quickly just, they decide they don't want to go that angle and it just goes away. Yeah, and then, yeah, the the show moves along. It's kind of hard because- it's such an overused trope in crime <laughs> that like yeah. it's like there, it's a similarity because obviously it's coming from like the truth about like you mm-hmm. know police just like kind of seeing that one target and that's it and kind of blowing yeah. out the rest of the world also in the drama it's like kind of like one of those like oh it's one of the tropes that we have to put in yeah does kind of talk about like that how he was treated in interrogation um, because that's mm-hmm. also what Yoon suffered for in, in interrogation. And I did read at the mm-hmm. time that he was doing that, that was standard police procedure yeah. in Korea to do that sort of thing. That's kind of how Yoon was convicted because he was like three days in of not having food and water and being beaten to submission. And yeah, he was like- forced to stay awake. He wasn't allowed to yeah. sleep. And so he- had no other choice i would assume that maybe the drama just knew that was a thing than the police force because mm-hmm. at that time there was kind of like more of a reform for stopping that sort of thing at yeah. the time that the, um, the show came drama out. came out so yeah. it was it was probably like their intention to kind of show especially because the drama is set in the same kind of time period as the the real murder mm-hmm. so at that time that's how the police force would be going and but it really kind of just drives home the incompetence of the police in that respect like kind of mm-hmm. like the alpha male like julie being yeah. like i'm the one who's right and you're wrong and it doesn't matter that like if mm-hmm. i don't actually like do the research and the work yeah i might be and there's wrong also, like, and there's also the sense of like othering that you can really see in most police forces where it's like this man wasn't picked because there was irrefutable evidence that he'd done the crime. He was picked because he was weird and was different than everyone else in the town. And so he was kind of an easy target to be like, aha, there's there's someone yeah. who's abnormal and abnormal people murder women. Yeah, and at the time there yeah. was pressure from the public itself to feel safe and feel comfortable and there was like this rush to find the person who did it Mm -hmm. and that results into these really sloppy cases because it's a problem just not even just in like the police force it's a problem Mm -hmm. in general society where like as long as you have someone convicted for it you're fine and you can move on even if it's not the right conviction even if that means that the person is now serving like jail for this one crime and the person's still out there to murder, but it doesn't matter. You've already got like that sense yeah. of closure in your brain. And so I think that was like also kind of shown in this, that uh, was just mm-hmm. the public and just kind of in general, the like police department being like, this is really fucking up our image and we yeah. need to get this cleared and we have to find a solution to this. And you can see how someone like Yoon was convicted of it with barely any evidence because he was disabled. He, you know, didn't have anyone to like stick up for him. And it's, you know, it's, it's very easy, like in hindsight to be like, how could they even convict this dude? He couldn't climb the wall. Like he could physically. And yet it was very easy for them to do it because at the time the public wanted someone to be blamed and 
he couldn't prove that he hadn't done it. Yeah, that's true. And I think like, it's also kind of like the, our like Western privilege of advancements in crime and Mm -hmm. just, or it's just like our knowledge now is people in 2021 who actively follow crime and we just were like well how do you not and like I'm not saying that there wasn't police incompetence because there was there was definitely stuff Mm -hmm. even that like like even even the police even the police have admitted uh, yeah for the time like this was done poorly but there are also things you're like but like you gotta remember yes we would go in and we'd be like this has got to be wrong and why are they doing this if we were Mm -hmm. interrogated like that but like if your knowledge of life is that you've like only gone to elementary school it's already kind of been stated in papers that he wasn't very sociable he didn't like go Mm -hmm. out very much so he didn't like have access to anything to like kind of like the knowledge that we would have on things Mm -hmm. his knowledge and all that stuff would be completely different than us and it's very Mm -hmm. it's kind of very hard to like sit here and be like well we would have been like this and it's like that's kind of us being ableist in our own right that way and like Mm -hmm. you know privileged and entitled because we Mm -hmm. have the resources that we're not given to this guy and and I, I I can see very easily how he would have gotten tangled up in it it's like and, and in very much the same way that in the show, the main character's father gets tangled up in it. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, here is a disabled person living in a place where disability is not understood in a time where, you know, if you're disabled, you're not even considered really human. And, you know, it's yeah. very easy to shuffle the blame on someone if you can just say like, well, you're no better than, you know, an animal because you're mentally or physically disabled and so let's just you know you're different than everyone around here so it must be you and you'd like to think that you know in the modern era like these things don't they still happen it still happens oh yeah time sure um and that's just unfortunately the way it is and but that wasn't the only similarities in the show for example the red outfits thing that was interesting. It was speculated in the real crime that if you were out after night and wore red, that was what made you a target. Turns out it wasn't at all, Mm-mm. but that was like a clear like allusion to the original crime because that would have been well known uh, by the general public who knew about you know the Hwasong murders if they watched the show to be like, aha, yeah. I see what... I see what you're doing there. Yeah, they probably um, had like family members who were like, yeah, I was not told to wear red at on these specific nights mm-hmm. because of yeah. this and so everybody stopped wearing red and they do show it in the series the mm-hmm. lead psychiatrist who is the one who survived yeah who survived the killing um she kind of has these kind of kind of mental snaps a lot of the time because she's dealing with unresolved ptsd and she tries to lure him out there's a a scene where the police officers are kind of going around the the town and one of the police officers spots like an older woman and she has a red and he's like no 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 no, you can't can't and so he has to like take her back to her house and yeah so that was like an interesting thing to see and then see that it was actually like a real thing that, that was like a real yeah as in the show in reality it was the first case in Korea, like modern Korean history, that had a very clear modus operandi, which in the drama was the knot that he used to tie him up. But I believe in the actual case, it was just the fact that he tied them up with their own clothing. Yeah, it was like that they were bound with their own clothing, mm-hmm. always and, sexually assaulted, and yeah. then like almost always gagged. Left outside, yeah, gagged yeah. and then left, um, left in the- And in the the show, they kind of do this interesting kind of take on it. And I think they were just trying to make who the killer actually was actually fit with the story. They kind of talked about how he had this like knot and that sort of thing. But then they like shifted it on to focus on that. He had to have had an MO because there was clearly a difference in between killings. And so they had like he had to have known about his MO because at that time like police caught on there was like a like a bump in the investigation that like someone was about to die was gonna die Mm -hmm. but it wasn't him who did it and he found out about it so he had to like change his mo to like 
equate to for that. It's like it, some, yeah. it was a really weird little like tie-in just to say that he has his mo. Um, also, Ejin's character um is really obsessed with it. It's one of the first things you see with him in the drama is that when he's still in the ward, um, he sees who he thinks is Gabdong. They're at like a I don't know they're making pastries or something I don't know and then, so they're like boxing them up and he's like doing the knot on the box and he's like ah you're gapped on for real because it's that knot I love you you know yeah and you know they even riffed off the actual murders um somewhat uh with the like the actual like the way that the women were murdered was actually done on the show so it's like it was very clear allusions to the the real crime. I think this is the one thing that like Abdong was missing in terms of like the differences in Mm -hmm. the victims and they kind of show it because when you see the first person to die it's the girl and she's like I don't know very young yeah yeah very young in the show and so they show you know she dies her her friend dies and then you kind of see some of the other victims that happen because of Gabdong and but they don't go really past like a 13 to like 25 year old gap which is like what was like kind of really interesting in terms of Gabdong case (laughs) the Hoisan case (laughs) well well well, um that his um the ages and the the types of people he was victim it 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 spans so drastically and that's not a normal thing if you follow no. true crime and like psychologically so like, that's not a thing especially when it's tied to sexual things yeah. usually like there's an age gap and it doesn't mm-hmm. fall past that but yeah there's like an did. age range and and which makes it like really sort of obvious that these were all like crimes of opportunity he was walking he saw someone by themselves mm-hmm. and was like fuck it i'm gonna rape and murder this person. right here and then yeah. you can see and you can sort of see it escalating because at first it's like just an old woman walking on the street alone next it's someone that you know the next two are people who are abducted from bus stops where they just got off the bus alone then he, he kidnaps someone from in front of their house then he goes into someone's house and murders them leading up to him luring someone to his house and murdering them which is how he inevitably gets caught so you can see like even like the escalation of like his, you know, daring as he, you know, keeps getting away with his crimes. You can see how he escalate over time and that it really didn't matter. They just had to be female and alone. The statues of limitations is really interesting in this case. And it's affected in the drama as well. Part of the mm-hmm. drama, you see them do kind of last minute things to try, try to get an extension and essentially they find stuff that is a loophole essentially but the such as limitations is kind of interesting in the way song case because there was such a lack of it and because of this crime things mm-hmm. changed you talked about it a little bit at the time of the like actual murders that he did this statute was 15 years so mm-hmm. the murder had 15 years to be out on the run and if it doesn't get caught in that time nothing can happen to them. The statute of limitations um, expired for this case in April of 20 or 2006. Mm-hmm. And then a year later, they actually extended the statute of limitations because of this case to 25 yep. years. And just mm-hmm. in 2015, they actually did another ruling on statute of limitations and completely um, taking away yeah, the, they abolished, the, it. abolished it for first degree murder. So if you're charged yeah. for first degree murder, there's no statute of limitations. And it was an unanimous vote. And this is like directly because mm-hmm. of oh, all this that happened. Unfortunately, it's not a retroactive law. No. So it's only from 2015 and onward. So he still cannot be tried and recharged for his crimes. However, he's already in life imprisonment. So they got him. It's kind of sad too. And I think that like probably also was kind of a driving force in this too. Cause I imagine if you're like a person who's trying to like convict this or try to find the, the perpetrator and you're already five years in and you're like, mm-hmm. oh no, there's only 15 years to find this. And we're already at yeah. five year mark. There's like probably never a chance. And like that knowledge of it has to also impede your like focus a little 
I always hate statutes of limitations. It's like, it's so it's essentially like you're saying you were just so good that, uh, about not getting caught that we were going to reward you, but yeah, not catching you. And I like, just, and statute of limitations, they always like, like I get it for like petty crime and whatever, because oh, it's yeah. like, whatever. But statute of limitations for like violent crime has always confused me. I feel like it does a great disservice to victims of violent crime. Oh, it does. Like, for example, like in the States, I think it's like eight years for rape. But like, if you get raped, you have to have that for the rest of your life, you know? And yeah. so after eight and after eight years, basically, it's like the law saying, oh, we don't actually care. But, and especially because you hear it's not an abnormal thing for someone to commit a crime after that, too. You know, like, it doesn't help things. It's not like after like 15 years, you're like, solidly, he's not mm-hmm. going to do it again. When in reality, yeah. he's just gonna do it again or like yeah what if like during those like most of those like years he was sick or something and then got better <laughs> and so you're like you got right? sick, so you had or to slow like, down or he moved to another jurisdiction and was or doing crime there you know like got caught for another crime and was in jail during the entire time and yeah. so he couldn't keep up it's just it's very weird I didn't actually read up on this, but I would just assume um, for the, when the um, limitations turned from 15 to 25, that was around the time that Memories of a Murder happened, the movie. Mm-hmm. And that movie was one of like the um, defining works of like fiction based that's on based this, on this um, case that like really got the general public interested again and like kind of focus on it and yeah. it's just so sad because it's like memories of a murder happened and then still even after that happened they couldn't get him and yeah. that that 2006 mark public was like I don't like this 15 year thing so maybe make yeah. it 25 and you know what I find it um little sus of the guy who's being so forthcoming with all of the details of his crimes now uh waited until just after the, the new statute of limitations was over in order to be like oh it was me it was me the whole time it's actually rare to get this sort of like justice for people who are wrongly imprisoned for crimes Mostly you hear about how bad things happen to people who are unjustly in prison for crimes. Like they die in prison and then, or they're put to death with the death penalty. And Mm -hmm. then you find out like a year later, like, oh, it wasn't them at all. So it's actually, it's quite nice in this case that uh, Yoon is getting actual justice because he is also a victim, even though he wasn't murdered, his life was also ruined by this rape murderer like kind of honestly twice like because he was convicted and then served and was out and then this all like unfolded again so he was brought back up into the news and Um, so and they had to do an actual retrial to overturn his conviction yeah and so that he would no longer be an ex-con i like that there's like this sense of like taking that all back and like focusing on what was wrong and making it right again however the guy served his complete sentence was let out he just wanted to kind of work and not keep being living in it and even with this like thing that is kind of like a positive thing it still make just pushes him back into reliving yeah. what happened it's like on hard. the other hand you like look into why Lee Jay confessed to it is so that he wouldn't get parole because he was scared for his life outside of prison so in that sense you can also appreciate that it's probably a good thing for this guy even though he has to relive the fact that he was wrongfully imprisoned so that the general public now knows he can safely exist in society without you know a vigilante justice being put upon him which is probably for the best yeah you know this is like the kind of craziness of this entire thing is that like not Mm -hmm. everything about this murder has been translated so there's a lot more that we're not getting just because we don't have the translated pieces in google Mm -hmm. translate it is never a source don't use it as a source please no it will give you wrong information (laughs) we did get like lucky in that like it kind of unfolded the way it did because mm-hmm. then that meant that major news stations and um, 
newspapers were picking it up with mm-hmm. like actual like translated pieces mm-hmm. so you can get kind of a broader sense of this even picked up in like western media because it's fascinating like and the what was picked up wasn't actually the details of the crime you had to really go dig in to find out information on that but the fact that this guy was released because another guy admitted to his crime and the fact that the guy who admitted to his crime literally testified on the stand as basically a character witness for this man who never committed any crime, right? He was just a dude no. uh, who needed a serial killer to get on the stand so that in the eyes of the law, they would know that he was not a child rapist. Like, how wild is that? That his like future safety in society relies on a serial rapist murderer agreeing to get on the stand and being like, yeah, it was me. I done did it. This all happened within the past two years. Yeah. Like, like this is news. a recent news. Like he only got fully overturned like th- last was, year. Like, yeah, it was like October of last year. I think it was yeah. like the specific so time. Like, yeah. Imagine your whole life just, oh, it's... Yeah, and then just imagine, like, all the people who suffered through, like, their loved ones being the victims, and after, like, 30 years, Mm -hmm. it's finally happening. At 30 years, you're probably never expecting anything to happen. You're expecting just to leave the earth without knowledge. I'm glad that it it did come to light. I'm glad Mm -hmm. that, like, there's some peace for the people who were victims and loved ones of the victims. I think that, like, even though it... It doesn't help all the way. I think it helps a, like at least a, a little. little bit. Especially to, like to know that they have the guy. Yeah, he's to know not, where he is not and he's not just killing like someone else or raping your someone next else door neighbor or something, one. you know. If you want to watch other things that are based. Yeah, Perfect. so as mentioned, uh, there is the 2003 movie Mem- Memories of a Murder, uh, which was until literally October available on amazon prime and i think it got pulled because of all this that happened i don't think so because i did see a tweet and i can't remember for what and i forgot to put it down so i'm sorry that i'm i didn't Mm -hmm. do the research on this that i saw it was coming to a platform that i didn't know but people Hmm. seem to know and i think it was like one of those platforms like sling or Oh, like, UB, one of, like, the, little ones. like yeah. the little platforms that are still like not major Amazon or Netflix and coming in sometime this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think there's no way that it won't be accessible just yeah. in the fact of like the case being the way it is right now. And then just mm-hmm. and you, Bong Joon-ho you can, in general, like you, you can get it on like DVD and Blu-ray on Amazon or whatever, like it exists. Um, yeah yeah but i mean like especially with bong joon ho being yeah who he is i just found it so sus that it had been available on amazon prime until the guy's conviction cut overturned and then it was like suddenly gone i I know i wonder if like because maybe they were trying i know hulu bought all of the rest of his movies so all the rest (laughs) of his movies are on hulu like parasite and host and that sort of thing are there um I wonder if they just had had it for so long and it I'm ran out and then like out. it ran out and someone was like, yoink royalties. Yoink. Yeah. <laughs> like, it felt like on the top of those things, you know, you guys have to put it in your calendar, set a date. You can't let this go <laughs> re up that like contract. There's uh, also a 2012 film called Confessions of Murder. Uh, and then there are two other dramas that reference it, though they are not exactly the main point no uh both of these dramas go through several different killers yeah um so at one point during one of the stories it's based loosely on these two dramas are more crime dramas crime dramas they're both a little mystical and do both involve time travel which i think is so bizarre but they're both pretty good you're Uh, really selling these really like well trust me they're great they are and i think they're both on netflix so yes they are yes so one is from 2016 it is called signal it is 
fantastic. So and good. another one, it's so good. And another one is from 2017 and it is called Tunnel. It is also pretty good, uh, but Signal, if Signal had been fully about this, we probably would have gone with Signal as the one that we picked as our yes. main one. Unfortunately, it's only a small part of it. So yeah. we couldn't, but it is, re- I actually highly recommend the drama Signal. Yeah, I uh, do too. Like if you're looking for something to watch, um, it's on Netflix, as we said, so mm-hmm. anyone can access it as access it essentially it's just yeah it's yeah it's a really good drama it's it's a really good drama so those are both that unfortunately um you gotta dig a little deeper to find gap dong sorry gap dong used to be on netflix it It was on netflix uh i watched it on netflix when it originally was on there um but i will say that like sometimes netflix brings things brings back it also could mean that it's in limbo and someone else is trying to pick it up too. Yeah. Uh, so I think there is a future where you can find it elsewhere. So, but hopefully uh, if you are interested in it, it will arrive back on Netflix someday or perhaps on one of the other streaming services. With all like the popularity that K-dramas are having recently, I wouldn't be surprised if it does return because that's true and also they've been, and they've be been adding a lot more older ones too. yeah i wouldn't be surprised if it shows up in a new k-drama this this story essentially yes. being worked in a new uh, drama. I'm especially sure, since sure this is so recent that all of this has happened I'm, yeah for sure anyway thank you for taking the time to listen to the inaugural episode of good time with crime the podcast where we watch things based on real crimes and talk about the real crimes they're based on. Uh, We hope you enjoyed listening to us. Anyway, thank you for listening to us and keep enjoying true crime. Bye. Bye. Bye.